Hey, Missio, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen your faces or since you've seen both of our faces. So in case you forgot, my name is Johnny Morrison. This is Heather Thomas. We're pastors at Missio. And we wanted to provide a bit of a resource for worshiping together as a community. And so that's what we're doing. And right now to begin our time of worship together in the word and the story of Jesus, Heather is going to read a passage from Isaiah 58. So Isaiah 58, 5 to 9. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is, it not, this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. The reading from Isaiah 58 is a common reading for the season of Lent. And if you remember uh, from when we were together or maybe through your own devotional studies, we are currently in the season of Lent. And the season of Lent is a moment to tell the story in a way that invites us to participate in the story of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness that lead him to the way of the cross. And as we tell that story, it also reminds us of Israel's 40 years in the wilderness, where they entered after being rescued from Egypt. They're led into the wilderness by God, where they develop a new identity and a new imagination as God's people before they enter into the promised land. And so these two moments, they mirror one another and invite us into a deeper kind of participation in God's story and into a deeper way of thinking about Jesus's journey to the cross. So that's the season that we're in, in like a liturgical sense, a calendar sense. But what is strange about this moment in light of the season of Lent is that we are in an actual kind of Lent, a real season of Lent for our own lives. And similar to the season of Lent that Jesus was in, or similar to the season of Lent that the people of Israel entered into in the wilderness, we have entered into our own kind of wilderness moment, Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden we don't know how to navigate life in this space. We're in an unknown, unfamiliar, uh, untended kind of environment. And like Israel or Jesus before us, as we enter into this space in this unknown environment, the tools, the skills, the practices of life previous to the wilderness, well, they're not always that helpful to life in this new wilderness period, which can bring with it like a feeling that our normal has been upended. It can bring feelings of disappointment as things that we were looking forward to and hopes in like the regular rhythm of life are upended. It can bring this sense of like fatigue and being tired because you're trying to adapt and be creative in this moment. And as many of us have probably experienced, being in the wilderness can bring with it a sense of anxiety. As we don't know what's happening, we don't know what comes next, and we're still trying to navigate and understand what tools of life we should be using in this space. Mm -hmm. And so we're in this season of Lent. 
and we are in an actual land, a forced kind of land. And the question I think is like we've been wrestling with who we are as a church and how do we think about this moment is like what do we do in a period of Lent? And maybe even more importantly than what we do in a period of Lent is, is there any hope for us in a season of Lent? And the hope in the wilderness that the text speaks about is that God is with us and he's ahead of us. Um, as Israel entered into the unknown in the wilderness, um, God demonstrated his presence to them through the cloud um, and through the fire at night. He also demonstrated in the middle of their marching and their camping, there was this tabernacle, this temporary space um, of God's presence with them. And these images that Israel had were a reminder that wherever they were and whatever they were going through, that God was both ahead of them and with them. And that's true whenever we look at the biblical story. Like Abraham, when he left, and the promises that God was with him and went ahead of him, that was true too for Israel when they went not only into the wilderness, but then when they went into exile. And then for Jesus, when he went into his 40 days in the wilderness, that God was with him and ahead of him. And then for the, the disciples and those who were then sent out to the ends of the earth, the consistent um, promise or the consistent reality was that God was with them and ahead of them. And so that's the hope that we can hold on to in our season, in our wilderness season, in the unknown and in the uncertainty, is that we can be confident that God is both with us and that he is ahead of us. And so that's the hope that we hold on to in our wilderness or in our Lenten moment. There's another hope that we have as, as people who are in relation to God, and that is that in this space, God um, forms us in very particular ways, he forms us as a people. One of the main things that happens in a Lenten practice is that you tend to get rid of excesses. And right now we're kind of forced into getting rid of a lot of excesses. And while that is challenging when we don't have access to all the things that we usually do, um, the point of giving, getting rid of those excesses and these forced removal now is that it presses us and it gives us an opportunity um, to see who we really are. And in understanding who we really are, then we're open to this transformative reality of God's presence with us. And it presses us to move towards trusting God in a deeper way, trusting that he's with us, trusting that he wants to do these transformational places, even in the context of a wilderness. And then finally, as we trust him and he forms us into being a trusting people, and we then become a people of his presence in the world. And so here in Salt Lake City, then, we're going to be able to offer in new ways, hopefully, um, his presence to our neighbors, this loving, peaceful presence um, during this time as we are formed into his people. So that's the hope in the wilderness. The hope that we can hold on to is that God is with us and that he's ahead of us. And the hope is that even in all of this uncertainty and doubt and confusion, that he forms us as his people and transforms us so that we then become a people of peace and love um, to our neighbors. Hmm. So in periods of Lent, periods of wilderness, the hope is that God is with us, mm -hmm. that he's ahead of us, that he's entered into the unfamiliar spaces before we ever get there, mm -hmm. and that then when 
we enter those spaces that God meets us there and forms us into a people of his presence. And so the question like coming out of that is like, okay, so that's the hope. Like that's the good news of this moment. Like that's the good news of this moment for us as a community is that we've entered into a strange, unfamiliar space and God is actually ahead of us Mm. and in the midst of us and that he's with us and present to us and forming us into a kind of people. And so as we hold that hope, the question then turns to, okay, so what do we do Mm -hmm. as God's people in this space? And like, if we look at the story of Israel, it's kind of a paradigm. Like when they get into the wilderness, there's all of these like really normal, natural, very real questions that come to them. Like, how do we feed our family? Because in Egypt, Egypt fed us. And you can say like, maybe that was bad and that was like problematic because they were slaves. But like, you still have this real question of now we're in this new space and how do we eat and how do we care for our families and how do we structure like education for our family and how do we uh, know where we're going? Like all of these questions that were easily answered previously now no longer have an answer. And all of the rhythms and norms and practices of life in Egypt no longer apply to life in the wilderness. And that is actually really similar to the situation that we're in. A lot of us, our jobs have been totally disrupted, and so we're at home, working from home or uh, trying to figure out how to not have a job while being at home because we're on leave or we don't have a job. Uh, A lot of our situations are just disrupted in terms of like social rhythms or family rhythms. And so similar to Israel, the question that we're asking is, how do we do life now that we're in this new space, this wilderness space? And that is the fundamental question of the people of God in a period of wilderness. Our task is to discover the practices, the habits, the rhythms of God's people that connect us to God that connect us to ourselves, and that connect us to one another, that help us attune ourselves to God's presence, attune ourselves to self, and attune ourselves to others. And these practices, like all of a sudden when we enter into like a wilderness space, things that felt, at least I think in my own life, things that could feel arbitrary and just like empty spiritual Mm -hmm. practices, Mm -hmm. like all of a sudden in this moment, they are not arbitrary spiritual practices. They're how the people of God survive and thrive in the wilderness. That's how we actually are the people of God, connect to his presence and extend his presence into the rest of the world. So the task now is discovering the practices of living in the wilderness. And um, as I was thinking about this, like what are those practices? I've had the opportunity to talk to um, folks from Missio during the week, just touching base, finding out how people are doing, praying with different people and there's been some stories from the community that have really stood out to me about very specific practices that people have done to help them stay grounded, to, to be able to attune to the presence of God in the midst or to each other. Um, I was talking to Megan, and prior to um, the coronavirus, she has struggled or has an autoimmune condition. And so often she'll plan her day but her body doesn't allow her to um, carry out the plans that she has made for her and so for herself. And so she has to um, consistently adapt and change. So then I asked her, I'm like, well, you already have a lot of practice with this, Megan. Like, what would you tell us as a community? And she said, well, you have to be really creative um, and then you have to be really willing to adapt. And then she said, and the one thing to remember is when we adapt, it's tiring. She said, it, it, 
it's very exhausting to have to constantly be changing. Like you have this plan at the beginning of the day and then you have to constantly be changing it and that that's tiring. And so she said something that I've had to learn is that it's really important to practice rest. And I thought, oh, what a good thing for us to glean from her. This woman that's been doing this since she was 15, um, that one good thing in this moment, and we'd call that Sabbath. Like how do we incorporate periods of rest um, in our lives when we have to consistently be adapting to things that are constantly changing. And then I was talking to Jessica after the earthquake, which is so unnerving and scary. And we were talking and she told me about Mila, who's her daughter. And Mila said to her, Mom, is God doing this? And does this mean that we're going to die? And a genuine question from a little four or five-year-old girl. And she said in that moment, she just paused with Mila and she prayed with her. And then she reflected back to me. She's like, in that moment, we just asked that God would bring us comfort and that he would reassure us that he's present. And then she said, and I needed that as much as my daughter needed that. So just taking that time to be still and pray was something that she did that allowed her to attune to her daughter, also attune to her and to receive the presence and peace that Christ offers in that moment. And then one other person I was talking to this week, Luke, he was um, recognizing as a lot of shifts were happening globally that the two trips that many of his, or two of his kids, three of his kids actually had planned. Um, some of them had planned to go to Florida, others planned to go on a trip to Vegas. And they recognized that they were gonna have to cancel those plans for their kids, so that was gonna be disappointing. So they, um, they arranged to get together and they get together and they communicated to their kids that they were gonna have to cancel these exciting trips that they planned and um, recognize that that would be disappointing for them. So after that, it was just a candy fest. They <laughs> practiced eating tons of candy in order to um, acknowledge that this was going to be disappointing. And so it feels like there's lots of creative ways that throughout this time of uncertainty, we can seek to use the tools that we have um, to keep ourselves grounded and aware of who God is, who we are, and how we relate to those who are in proximity to us. Candy festivals have also been my regular everyday practice. <laughs> Just to stay it. grounded, healthy, you know, connected, connected to myself. Uh, these practices are like these are different examples of ways that members of our community are trying to stay connected to God, self, and others. And so they are practices that you can like take and apply to your own life directly, and to say like, I want to add a rhythm of working through difficult things through a sweet festival in my home. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a really beautiful example. But there's so many other practices, too, that you see throughout the text or you see throughout church history that are necessary and helpful and powerful for helping us navigate this unknown time, form us into the people of God, and help us extend presence to the people around us. So you have practices like Sabbath, as Heather mentioned, which is literally how we say no to the anxiety and the scarcity of our culture. This moment is so rife with scarcity and anxiety. I feel it, like our culture feels it. And Sabbath is the most, it's like the most counterintuitive practice in this moment, especially because so many of us are like already binge watching too much Love is Blind. And you're like, well, I am Sabbath. And you're like, no, that's not Sabbathing, that's being distracted. Sabbath is, a, is this deliberate practice to enter into the peace of God and to say no to anxiety, distraction, and actually into rest. 
And that could be as simple as like just n at 6 p.m. at night, you're just mm -hmm. not going to go and check any news updates. Mm -hmm. uh, that going would, on a walk. Yeah, going on a walk. Yeah. Yeah, like intentional ways of stepping away from the anxiety and the chaos. Yeah. So Sabbath is a practice that God gives his people. He's like, practice this. He gives it to Israel again in the wilderness. And he's like, this is how you're going to survive this moment. So practice Sabbath. Prayer is a, one of the practices that God gives his people. Mm -hmm. And it's how we align ourselves with the movement and work of God in the world. So we submit ourselves to him. We've been praying a lot this week, and you've seen it in the prayer guide. Would we pay attention to God's presence and join God's presence? And prayer is one of the ways that we pay attention, submit ourselves to God's presence, and align ourselves with what God is doing. So prayer is a practice, as you saw with uh, Mila, that you can use, that you can use with your family, that is how we submit and pay attention to what God is doing. We need the practice of community. Mm -hmm. Community, despite like the social distancing, is still how we embody church. It's how we experience God's presence. It's how we love our neighbors. It's how we find refreshment. And so there's like different ways that we're trying to practice community right now as a church, whether that's through like Zoom house churches or house churches that are um, committing to meet with 10 or less and follow proper preventative mechanisms. But you need community. We need community in order to experience church. And then there's the other practice of compassion. Compassion is one of the ways that we get to participate in God's extension of himself to the world around us. And so we can do that by delivering things to our neighbors, reaching out to our friends and families. An easy way to start trying to participate in compassion is you can sign up for our care team on our website mm -hmm. as they partner with different organizations to meet needs inside the city during this moment. But compassion is a practice that helps us extend what God is doing to the world around us. And as you hear these practices, like, some people in our community are really creative and so they want to like dream up how they apply those practices. But one suggestion that we found helpful in our house is um, building some like actual rhythms into your life since so many rhythms have been disrupted. So wake up, pray, have a, a midday prayer, which we're sending out every day, have an evening prayer or an evening walk or uh, an evening like shut down the phone, like certain rhythms throughout your day that help give it a sense of structure because that'll give you a sense of depth and stability and connection. Mm -hmm. And so you can start to apply those different things into your day mm -hmm. in order to practice in this moment. And while Sundays are disrupted, if you're listening to this and you don't have a house church, you can connect with a group on Sunday morning. After you watch the video, you'll see a little link. And we want to be able to help cultivate as mm. much as we can um, still ways for being connected to community while also be disrupting, while also being disrupted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, right at the end, this will we'll kind of like wrap up here, but right at the end of Isaiah, the passage that Heather read at the very beginning, you have this like promise. And the whole passage is about what kind of fast does God want? Mm -hmm. Which is a conversation, what kind of Lent do we live? And now we're in a forced Lent, and so how do we engage that Lent? How do we participate in that fast? And you have all throughout it this like different kind of uh, orientation of our heart, that it would be towards those who are in need, that it would be towards extending kindness to the vulnerable. And you have that listed out, and then you get this like really beautiful promise in verse 8 and 9. And it says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. 
Then you will call on the Lord and the Lord will answer. And he will say, here am I. The fast that God wants in this moment from us, the invitation to the people of God in this moment, is to participate in a Lent that is connected to God's self and others, that extends God's love and peace and presence to self and to others. And when we do that, like when we hold fast to what God is doing in the middle of us and practice presence, well, the promise of Isaiah 58 is that in the wild, we would become a people of life, healing, righteousness, and presence, even in this moment. So that's what it means to be the people of God in this strange, unfamiliar, strange season. It's weird, it's hard, but it's the invitation to the church. Anyone want to pray for us? Sure. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks that um, you know about the wilderness. You know about what it um, means to have scarcity. And in the midst of it, you trusted. And so, Spirit, we ask that you would give us what we need to be a people who are trusting. Trusting that you're with us, trusting that you want to form us, and that that's what we can hold on to, that that's the hope that we have that we may not have a lot of certainty or the ability to plan or um, know what's ahead, but we can hold on to the promise and the hope that you are with us, that you go ahead of us, and that you will form us and transform us. And so we ask that by your spirit you would do that and that you would call us into participating with you and by intentionally putting things into our lives that put us in proximity to you that would allow us to receive from you, receive your goodness, receive your peace, receive your calm, receive your love, that we would participate by grounding ourselves in practices that lean us into you, lean us into each other, and lean us into acknowledging the ways that we need transforming. And so we acknowledge now as your people that we need you, um, and that we're grateful that you promised to be with us and that we seek to trust you in the days and weeks ahead. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pesio. Yep. Take care.